0: so today's sermon is Strength for the Battle, right? Me and PDs always say this joke, I've been battling since 1974, right? I've been battling since 1973, right? Um, and so, you know, many of us, we're in the battle, and I just want to give you some insights. I'm going to tell you stuff you already know, just to remind you, in the presence of God, hopefully the anointing, hopefully that something I say would be like, dude, I knew that, I got to start doing that, I got to stop doing that. So let's get some text scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. So be strong and courageous. That's what the Lord's telling Joshua as he steps in his new role. He said, be strong and courageous. God's giving you permission, fam, to be strong and courageous. He says, do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord, your God, will personally go ahead of you. You will neither fail nor abandon you. He will neither fail nor abandon you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul's writing to his spiritual son Timothy. Nero is bugging, right? Nero's like the leader of the land, and he's bugging, he's persecuting Christians. This is what Paul writes. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love, and self-discipline. Listen, that's a basic scripture, but that's extremely profound. There's people with power, but they don't know how to love. There's people with love, but they have no self-discipline. And fam, if the Holy Spirit can help us get an alignment for assignment where we can remove fear, remove timidity, and walk in that power with love and discipline, nothing's impossible. All right, some more text scriptures. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 to 31. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagle. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Psalms 29:11. and I'm telling you stuff you already know, but I'm just bringing it to the forefront of your mind. Psalms 29:11, the Lord gives His people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Fam, we're talking about strength for the battle. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 10: 11. If you fail under pressure, your strength is small. Rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to die. Save them as they stagger to their death. The strength is for others, fam. Revelations 2.26. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. So introduction. I want to remind you that God will give his children who ask, seek, and knock strength to go and grow from victim to to survivor, to thriver, right? We're no longer victims, we're survivors. And we're not just survivors. As we become disciples, we become thrivers. I want to make you aware of the victim mindset that I see in the body of Christ. A lot of the body of Christ has a woe is me attitude, right? Oh, we lost the election. Oh, they don't they don't show us Christian TV on Sundays, just politics. Oh, the Starbucks cup of Christmas grieves me <laughs> and they're always complaining about something, right? And they have a victimhood, uh, mindset and a victimhood mindset, according to our psychology today says constantly seeking recognition of one's victimhood. We're currently living in a culture where many political and cultural groups and individuals emphasize their victimhood identity and compete in the victimhood Olympics. Right? Like, oh, you think you got it bad? Let me tell you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So the first big idea is avoid feeling sorry for yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse 13, A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray everybody watching right now, I pray for a happy heart happy heart. I believe you call summer Church to be holy, happy, healthy, and helpful all the days of their life. I pray for a happy heart, cheerful face. We come against heart continuous heartache that's trying to crush our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's two powerful prophets in the Bible that went through a battle of self-pity, and you can look at it later. It's Jonah and Elijah. We talked about Elijah when, when he won the prophet battle and he was depressed and God had to tell him to take a nap, eat a snack, and hear his small voice. He had to tell him, I'm making a dream team. He had to remind him that you are not alone. <laughs> and that there's other prophets uh, who have who not been the knee to bow as well. Right? All right. So self-pity attracts attack. Is in the very definition, it's self-indulgent. When the en- and when the enemy starts attacking you, you it, it puts you in this continuous loop where you continue to self-sabotage yourself by having too much self-pity. Self-pity is one of the enemy's prime strategy strategies for imprisoning your soul. Rather than looking inward or outward, we ought to be looking upward. This is one and the only way to rid ourselves of self-pity and truly be happy is focus on the Lord. Recognize self-pity for what it is. It's a, demo, you know, it's a demonic assignment to get you focused on yourself instead of focus on your deliverer. All right, so I got this little image here cuz sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. We got a was it a horse or a donkey? Let's call it a horse tied to a chair. And the horse can just leave any time. But because of some past issues, the horse can't overcome. Learned helplessness is a state which you think there's no way to escape. Even if you get the opportunity to take the charge and control the situation this time, you don't even try due to exhaustion from past repeated and stressful experiences. That's why we pray for your healing. That's why we want you to come to service. We anoint you. We pray for your healing. And you begin to say, man, why am I tied to this corny chair? And you begin to start making moves that the Lord has uh, put in your heart. All right, so second big idea. It's hard to win when you whine. There's an old song called CCC, What the Lord Has Done For Me. And there's one part that says, no more no more whining, Jesus lives, amen? He lives in you and he lives in me, Hallelujah. Okay, so Proverbs chapter two, verse 14 through 15 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Oh, that's a Rima word for somebody, I'm gonna read that again. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you, live clean. Oh, that's a word for somebody. Innocent lives, as children of God, right? We we know that uh, Jesus says the children of the childlike faith gets the kingdom. Shining, shine bright like a diamond, shiny like bright lights. So don't whine, shine, Shiny like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So don't whine, but shine. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse nine through twelve. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. We're talking about the Moses time when they were in the desert wandering. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as an example. We were written down as a warning for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Right. And so the word grumble here... Uh, is uh, go gizo, go goodzo and as the definition may surprise you, it not only means to murmur, muddle, grumble. Was it says any? It also says says anything in a low tone. Remember when your kid was in seventh grade, and you'd be like, clean your room, and, they'd be like, and then you were like, "What? What you said?" Say it again, say it in my face, right? You remember, that was a while ago, but you remember how your kids went through that phase. And so sometimes the saints, to the sons and daughters of God to God, we, we, that's, we're acting like seventh graders when we've been saved 10 years, right? Um, so it, 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 it denotes who discontently complain. Sometimes we don't complain to others openly, but we complain to God under our breath or in a low tone. We express our discontent in the midst of warfare, and in doing so, we are swinging a carnal sword against ourselves instead of swinging the sword of the spirit that, ma- that ultimately makes us contend in victory over our adversary, the devil. Amen. So, we talking about strength for the battle. We talk. We talk about don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't whine. Don't complain. The last big idea, before we let you go home and we have a great time, is we have to resist and persist. The book of James, chapter 4, verse 7. The Lord's brother, I believe the book of James is the first New Testament book written chronologically. And this is what the Lord's brother says, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James is Jesus' half-brother who came to the faith post-resurrection when the Lord was, I think, 40 or 50 days party into the disciples. And he's saying, like, you know, like, the first written letter to the church, he's saying, submit yourself. See, you can't resist unless you submit. As we submit ourselves to God, then we can resist the devil. Luke chapter 4, verse 13. After Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it says when the devil had finished all his, all his this tempting, he left them to a, 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 a opportune time. Ephesians 4:27. And do not give the devil a foothold. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Resist and persist, fam. This is a big idea. Take courage, Christians. You can resist the devil because Christ already won the victory. Don't allow your own sin to give the devil a foothold in your life. Stay humbly submitted to the Lord and actively pursue him every single day. Now let's emphasize on persist right now, on persistence. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8, during the Sermon on the Mount, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, right? If you guys um, follow Joyce Myers, she often uses this version. It says, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For any, everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps seeking finds. And to him who keeps knocking, it, w- will, it will be open. Oh, praise the Lord. We're talking about resist. We're talking about persistence this morning. We're talking about strength for the battle. Ask for the victory, seek God for strategy, and knock on heaven's door, and be aware of the door of opportunity that will be open to you. Now, there's some scriptures, um, the, persist- the persistent friend in Luke 11 and a persistent widow in Luke 18. And then there's a story by this author named Franz Kafka, for all you guys that took psychology in college. Um, and there's a great story called Before the Law. Let's see if we can go through this. I've been preaching 13 minutes. Let's see if we can be finished at the 20-minute mark. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 8. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against, against us and lead us not into temptation. Verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he would not give up and give the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he'll be he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Luke 18. And we're talking about persistence here, fam. Then Jesus told his disciple a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Brothers and sisters, I just want to remind you to persist in prayer. Resist the devil, persist in prayer. We're talking about strength for the battle, right? We're talking about don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't whine. Don't complain. um, Choose not to whine, but choose to shine and work uh, and do your work quietly. I'm talking about resist the devil. Stay submitted to God. Resist the devil. He will flee, but he will also come back in an opportune time. But as we continue to submit ourselves to God daily, we will have the strength to deal with that daily. And I'm talking about persisting, right? That we have to learn to ask Keep asking, seek, keep seeking, knock, keep knocking. We looked at Luke 11, the friend who kept on knocking for bread. Maybe you need a breakthrough. Maybe you need something so you can bless others. Keep knocking the doors of heaven. Maybe you need something as a form of justice. Keep knocking the doors of heaven. So the last story, I'm going to have my wonderful wife, sister Anna, read this story it's called before the law one of my favorite um podcasters tim Ferriss, uh shared about this story and i think it'll be really good for some of you guys
1: amen thank you before the law my friend. before the law sits a gatekeeper to this gatekeeper comes a man from the country who asks to gain entry into the law but the gatekeeper says that he cannot grant an entry at the moment the man thinks about it and then asks if he will be allowed to come in later on it is possible says the gatekeeper but not now it is at the moment the gate to the law stands open as always and the gatekeeper walks to the side so the man bends over in order to see through the gate into the inside When the gatekeeper notices that, he laughs and says, if it tempts you so much, try it in spite of my prohibition. But take note, I am powerful, and I'm only the most lowly gatekeeper. But from room to room stand gatekeepers, each more powerful than the other. I cannot endure even one glimpse of the third. The man from the country has not expected such difficulties. The law should always be accessible for everyone, he thinks. But as he now looks more closely at the gatekeeper in his fur coat, at his large pointed nose and his long, thin, black, tartar spear, he decides that it would be better to wait until he gets permission to go inside. The gatekeeper gives him a stool and allows him to sit down at the side in front of the gate. There he sits for days and years. He makes many attempts to be let in, and he wears the gatekeeper out with his requests. The gatekeeper often interrogates him briefly, questioning him about his homeland and many other things, but they are indifferent questions, the kind great men put. And at the end, he always tells him once more that he cannot let him inside yet. The man who has equipped himself with many things for his journey spends everything, no matter how valuable, to win over the gatekeepers. The latter takes it all, but as he does so, he says, I am taking this only so that you do not think you have failed to do anything. During the many years, the man observes the gatekeeper almost continuously. He forgets the other gatekeepers and. This one seems to him the only obstacle for entry into the law. He curses the unlucky circumstance in the first years, thoughtlessly and out loud. Later, as he grows old, he still mumbles to himself. He becomes childish. And since in the long years studying the gatekeeper, he has come to know the fleas in his fur collar. He even asks the fleas to help him persuade the gatekeeper. Finally, his eyesight grows weak and he does not know whether things are really darker around him or whether his eyes are merely deceiving him. But he recognizes now in the darkness an illumination which breaks inextinguishably out of the gateway to the law. Now he no longer has much time to live. Before his death, he gathers in his head all of his experiences of the entire time up into one question which he has not yet to put to the gatekeeper. He waves to him, since he can no longer lift up the stiffening body. The gatekeeper has to bend way down to him, for the great difference has changed things to the disadvantage of the man. What do you still want to know then? Asked the gatekeeper. You are insatiable. Everyone strives after the law the man so how is it that in these many years no one except me has requested entry the gatekeeper sees that the man is already dying and in order to reach his dimension sense of hearing he shouts at him here no one else can gain entry since this entrance was assigned only to you I'm going to now I'm going now to close it
0: praise the Lord thank you sister Anna and there's many people who are scared of this, that, that they're experiencing gatekeepers, gatekeepers that are trying to hold them down, gatekeepers that always remind them of their past, gatekeepers that always tell them that they're not smart enough, they're not rich enough, they're not connected enough. I want to let you know that that door is for you in the name of Jesus. God will give you the boldness. Turn to that door. Now we have to audit our ambitions. And maybe certain doors are not for us. We, we saw them in a music video. There's a basketball player named Antoine Walker, former Celtic, who went um, bankrupt. The Financial ruined. They had documentaries about him. And he said, I was trying to keep up with Jay-Z and Puff Daddy. He didn't audit his ambitions. Those desired that lifestyle wasn't even an intrinsically desired lifestyle. And so I just wanted to share with you some, some, some strategies of strength of the battle, right? Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't get to learn helplessness. Let the Lord renew your mind. Let the Lord give you revelation of your identity and your inheritance. Don't whine, but shine. Continue to resist the devil and persist in prayer. And not only prayer. But to persist in the opportunities that the Lord has given to you. Continue to send those emails. Continue to apply for those jobs. Continue to go to the gym. Continue to get stay on that diet. If you fall off the wagon, get right back on. Continue your step work if you're in sobriety and in recovery. And I pray that everyone listening to the sermon will have a little bit more strength for the battle and the journey. We see in Jesus' life, He refused to embrace the victim mindset when he was 12 years old and his parents left him. when they went looking for him he was still seated uh talking to the leaders in the in, in, the, in the in the temple he was still asking questions they didn't see him running to him crying hysterically or whatever jesus didn't never he never mentioned the manger he never mentioned egypt he promoted his brothers after the resurrection it's a leadership in the church he didn't he didn't hold it he didn't hold their unbelief while he was alive against them you know something theologians just say at one point jesus family entertained the thought of an honor killing because he was embarrassing them and and the town tried to take him over the cliff and people he went to middle school with people he went to yeshiva with people that he played you know whatever games they were playing with was trying to kill him because he was an embarrassment to the family he never held that against them. he didn't have a victim mindset we see Jesus avoiding self-pity when he was arrested and put on trial. And, and, and he said, I can call a legion of angels. He knew there was a bigger picture. Check out Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We see Christ resisting the enemy and teaching his disciples to pray with persistence. He's teaching resistance and persistence. And may God give you the wisdom and the strength to over the, overcome the gatekeepers stopping you from reaching your goals. So before we pray together, I want you to take a moment. And perhaps you have to repent. Perhaps you have to think about some some threshold, some, some, some gatekeepers holding you back. Maybe it was an old youth leader that told you you wasn't anointed. Maybe it was a job that you was promised and, and, and they changed their mind. There are old gatekeepers and we have to let the Lord renew our mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's say this prayer. Dear God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, please give me strength when I am weak. Love when I feel forsaken. Courage when I'm afraid, wisdom when I feel foolish, comfort when I am alone, hope when I feel rejected, and peace when I am in turmoil. Teach me to know my identity, to walk in my inheritance, and seek to live with boldness and joy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Heavenly Father, I pray a special prayer. Over everybody watching, help them look at, give them strength for the battle. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord.